0: Welcome to the Sermons and Teachings from the Catalyst Fellowship with Ipai Michael. We yeah, hope the, the message you are about to listen, listen to will edify and you and cause you to experience exponential growth. And now, the message. What does it mean to be radical? You know, I think radical has been very associated to bad. <laughs> That's why the first time you heard I am a radical boy for Jesus, you were like... How they be saying that? <laughs> I am a... How many of you heard that I am a radical boy for Jesus. I am a radical boy for Jesus. I am a friend of the Lord. And guess what? The boy that has been dressing good in all of the other videos decided to wear glasses and wear everything just to show us radicality. But that's the point. We always associate being radical with being bad. But not necessarily. Not necessarily. What does it mean? To be radical. To be radical means to be far beyond the norm. Are you listening to me? To be what? To be far beyond the norm. When I say norm, that is far beyond what is normal. That's what it means to be radical. To be far beyond the normal. To be different from the usual. To be different from what is ordinary. You know, one of the things I cannot get over with African parents and Nigerian parents. Who defines what is right from what is wrong in Africa and in Nigeria? Because if today, you see, your parents have been forcing you to cut your hair. If today, all the street boys start cutting their hair skin, your parents will tell you that skin cut is not good. (laughs) Have you thought of it before? Why is Finn a bad haircut? Because street boys are bad. Do you understand what I'm saying? What defines what is normal? Who defines what is normal? Anyways, back to the teaching. <laughs> so, being radical means being different from what is normal. So, if some things are going in a certain way and something is totally far different from that certain way, we would say that that is a radical action that happened. Are you with me? It's, a, it's, it's beyond normal. Is beyond normal. And this word affects and relates to the fundamental or root nature of a thing. Are you with me? So, a one-time change might not be termed radical, but if the root of the thing or the fundamental nature of a thing is beyond the normal, it is termed as radical. Are you with me? So, not just surface action, but the full extent of the thing, in its roots, in its nature, if it is beyond the normal, or beyond the norm, it is termed what? It is termed radical. Can I tell you something? Your view of the church has to have this in it. Because there is nothing ordinary about the church. Are you listening to me? There's nothing ordinary about the church of Christ. Nothing ordinary. The church is far from ordinary. Are you listening to me? At a fundamental level, the church is and has been radical. It's different. And being different doesn't have to be wrong or doesn't have to be a problem. The church has been different. Always different. Have you ever been in a situation where everybody is doing something and you decide not to do it, and you begin to feel bad and wrong, even though you know that what you are doing is the right thing. Have you been in that situation before? Maybe in secondary school, and then they call something peer pressure, when, because of that reason, you begin to feel bad, you know, you now follow them. It means that the fact that it is popular does not necessarily mean it's the norm. And secondly, it means that the fact that you are different does not necessarily mean you are wrong. So being radical does not mean being wrong. Are you getting what I'm saying? Being radical does not mean being wrong. It just means you are beyond the normal. Being radical means that you must be willing to stand out and almost risk being labeled wrong because of what you stand for, because of what you believe. Look at the prayer of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 15. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 15. What does the Bible say in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15? It says, therefore I also... After I heard of your faith in, in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I've taught you this. I've read it to you time and again. And many times when I teach it to you, the emphasis is usually on what? On the wisdom and revelation he says they will receive. Let me read it before I go ahead of myself. It says, therefore, I also after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love to all the saints. Verse 16 says, do not cease to give thanks for you. Making mention of you in my prayer. So Paul is saying, I've heard of your, of your love. Ahead of your faith, and after your faith, ahead of your love for all the saints. And because of this, I don't stop praying for you. What is Paul's prayer point for them? His prayer point for them is that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto them what? The spirit of what? Wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And I've taught you time and again that the text here is not implying that you receive a new spirit because a few verses before he tells them that in whom you trusted, after you heard the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation, and no after you believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. So they received the spirit when they got saved, yes or no? Yes, they did. And so whatever is calling the spirit of wisdom and revelation here is not a new spirit, but is rather rendered wisdom and revelation by the spirit. Are you getting what I'm saying? Wisdom and revelation by what? By the spirit. This is very important. After that, he goes ahead. To say that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that you must, that you may know. So now Paul is praying for them that they know something. Are they believers? Yes. But then he's praying that they know something. What is he praying that they know? Listen, this is important. I've taught you time and again that the next most important thing for a believer after salvation is what? Is revelation knowledge. All right. It's not enough that you are saved. You must. You, you are saved, but you must grow. Are you getting what I'm saying? You must grow. So. Revelation knowledge. He's praying for them. He's writing a letter to them. And the most important thing for him to emphasize is that what? Is that they may know. What knowledge is so important that Paul is saying that night and day, I'm praying for you. He says, I cease not to stop praying for you. What is so important that Paul is saying that he'll pray for them for? He says that you may know. That you may know. The word know there is the Greek word edo. It's a word for knowledge, alright? There are a few words for knowledge in the Greek, and there's Edo, there's Gnosis, there's Epignosis, you see a lot of them used in the Bible, but the word here is Edo. It means that their eyes would be flooded with light. Are you getting this? That they are enlightened, almost as if you enter into a room, and the room is filled with things that are of your benefit, but the light is off. So listen to me, the thing that can change your life might be two feet away from you, but you don't know why the light is off. Are you getting what I'm saying? I hope you are following me. But the light is off. What you need for your survival and for your life is right there. How many people in this world have passed by a Bible and never knew that the, the salvation of their soul is in that one material? How many times have you gone to play store? And the material that you need for your salvation is just there at the click of a button. Are you getting what I'm saying? How many of you are even saved? And yet, the information, just because of lack of understanding, lack of enlightenment, is just right there. So, this is likened to a person who walks into a room. And his lifesaver is two feet from him. But he doesn't know. But now Paul is praying that the light is switched on. Why? When the light comes on, you may know. Are you getting what I'm saying? That is Edo. That your eyes will be flooded with light. That your eyes will be flooded. That's what it means to be enlightened. Are you getting this? That's what it means to be enlightened. That your eyes will be flooded with light. Because you can't see it, so you can't feel it. But now, your eyes will be flooded with light, so that you may know. If the light is off, you can't even make attempts at it. But now, it says, your eyes will be flooded with light. So now, all of a sudden, the light is on. And so you have knowledge. You are enlightened. Verse 18, it says, Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, Mad Becker. This is powerful. Having what? The light of your eyes enlightened that you may know what is the hope at which he has called you so there's a hope of your calling and what is the riches of his glorious inheritance in the same so brothers and sisters as a believer you have a rich inheritance the apostle paul is praying that you may know are you getting what i'm saying that you may know Because if you don't know, you cannot rightly appropriate it. Listen, if you don't know, you will not make attempts at it. If the light is off, you will not even try. It says that you may know. That you may know. So something happened to you when you believed in Jesus. And it's not automatic. You have to learn about it and know how to appropriate it for it to be effective in your life. I get what I'm saying. So Paul is saying something has happened to you at salvation. I'm praying for you that you may know. That you may know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. That you may know. Say, that I may know. That I may know. To be enlightened, there is the great God. I think is for Tizo. Flooded with light. Flooded with light. That I may know. That I may know. That I may come to full recognition of what has happened to me at salvation. In verse 19, and he says, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power? towards us who believe, according to the working of his great mind, that he walked in Christ. This is what he's praying that you should know. That you should know that there's an immeasurable what? Power. Do you know what immeasurable power means? There's no scale that can measure it. No way that you can define it. It's just immeasurable. It's beyond. Immeasurable power that is at work in you who believes. According to the working of a great mind. That same power he worked in Christ when he raised Christ from the dead. And made him to sit as his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And I move every name that is named, not only in this age but in the age to come. Please, are you listening to what I'm saying? And I've read this text to you plenty, plenty, plenty times. But you must see. You must see that Paul is praying that you know. That you know. So, yes, there is power wrought in you in Christ because of what he did, but there, there is more to it. Listen, he says that what? He says the same power that is given, that is toward you, is the same power that he wrought in Christ when he raised him, right? When he raised him from the dead I made him to sit in heavenly places. But it does not end there. Because in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 to 6, the Bible says, But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, wherewith he loved you. Let me break this down to you. Ephesians chapter 1 talks about something. Ephesians chapter 2 explains what Ephesians chapter 1 talked about. Are you with me? Ephesians chapter 3 now begins and makes a reference to both 2 and 1. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's how, that's how Ephesians is written. Let me be sure you are getting what I'm saying. Are you getting what I'm saying? It means that he's telling them that they may know something. He's praying for them to know. Then, in two, he explains what he wants them to know. Are you getting it? What's the beginning of Ephesians chapter two? Ephesians two verse one. What does he say? And you had the quickened who were dead in trespasses. So now he begins to teach them. This was your former state, and this is your state now. So in verse two, verse in two, verse four, he says, "But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love where he loved you, it says, even when you were dead in trespasses, what did he do? He has made us alive." With Christ, it says, By grace you have been saved. What does verse 6 say, everybody? Read it in your rooms, one to go. It says, And has raised us up with Him, and what? And seated us with Him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So, listen. Even though Ephesians chapter 1 says that God wrought a power in Jesus by raising him and making him to sit in heavenly places far above principality and power, Ephesians chapter 2 begins to tell you that it was not only Jesus Christ that God raised. God raised you with him and you were made to sit in him. That's the union that you have with Christ. I'm going to teach about this in camp meeting. Begin to wait your appetite expectant for it. Our union with Christ. Our union with Christ. So now, not only is Jesus seated, I'm also seated with him in heavenly places. This is the revelation knowledge Paul is praying that you have. That everything is said about Christ Jesus in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19. Where he says that he has made him to sit above every rule and power. And every dominion is also applying to you. So the theology for the authority of Jesus is the same theology for your authority. You are not ordinary. Are you getting what I'm teaching you? This is important. This is important. Because now there's a union between Christ and me. Everything God did in Christ, he did in me as well. So now that Jesus was exalted and made to sit in heavenly places above all power on this earth, all dominion, all rule, all might, same way he has made me to sit. And that seat is a place of authority. He has made me to sit with him. I don't have a lot of time to explain this union, but he has made me to sit with him. Far above principalities and paths, we are seated in Christ. We are seated in Christ. We are seated in Christ. Please, are you following me? Now verse 22. Very important. Of Ephesians chapter 1. We just read 21, then 22 of Ephesians chapter 1. It says something powerful. Now you will know why verse 22 exists in the Bible. (laughs) It's very important. It says, And he put all things under what? His feet. Whose feet? Jesus. All right? He put all things under his feet and gave him as head over what? All things to the church. He now says the church is his body, the fullness of him that fills all things. So listen to me. This is a metaphor. In the human biology, where is the head? Where is the body? Where is the feet? So guess what? He says that he has put Christ as the head of the church, which is what? The body. But guess what? He did not start with that. He started by saying he has put all things under what? His feet. The Bible did not put feet there as a mistake. It was still part of the metaphor. That what? That Christ is the head, the church is the body, and the feet is the feet of both the head and the body. So listen, he says he has put all things under his feet that is both under the feet of Christ the head and under the feet of the church. Are you getting this? Under the feet of the church. Then, he now says that the body is the fullness of Christ that fills all in all. So, listen to me. The fact that Jesus is not here does not mean his ministry has stopped. He says we are the fullness of Christ. That is, we carry all that Christ has for us. And we fill the world with that knowledge. Are you getting it? So, listen. If Jesus in his earthly ministry was not ordinary, there is nothing about the church that is ordinary. Are you getting what I'm saying? There is nothing about the church that is ordinary. Are you paying attention? <laughs> There's nothing about the church that is ordinary. Nothing. So everywhere we go, we're making known the savor of his knowledge. Everywhere we go, we are representatives of Christ on this of Christ on this earth. Please, are you getting this? We're representatives of Christ. On this earth, we show Jesus to the world in authority, in power, in witnessing. We show Jesus to the world. We're not ordinary. The fundamental nature of the church is not ordinary. He was born out of the death of Christ. It's not ordinary. Are you with me? The church is not just for religious soothing to answer the questions you don't have and make you feel good. No. No. Because similar to the radical existence of Jesus, the church is also radical. We have to continue that way. You have to understand. We are representatives of Christ. If Christ came and broke everything that was normal, (laughs) then we also are not ordinary. He defied what? The laws of science. Space-time. What did Jesus not do? Chemistry. He turned water to wine. It does not make any normal sense. It does not make any normal sense. Physics, he levitated in his ascension. Biology, he resurrected from the dead. There's nothing normal about him. He walked on water. Medicine, he healed the sick by a touch. His disciples did with shadow. Are you understanding what I'm saying? There's nothing ordinary about us. And that's the first point I want to make. Nothing ordinary about us. Nothing ordinary about us. He was different in his time. So different that things that would normally be conformed under normal circumstances are unusual. Jesus was different. He didn't condemn people to get them to follow him. Rather, he used love. Where does that happen? Are you getting what I'm saying? And so his body also cannot, you have to understand if your head is not, put it like this if your head is not normal then you are not normal <laughs> you know what I'm saying like, that's why I say if your head touch then your, your body is just doing listen, that's what the metaphor is trying to teach you your body is only doing what the head was thinking do you understand? so we are the expressions of Jesus his expression whatever is in the heart of God whatever is in the heart of Jesus, we do are you getting it? We do. So if Jesus is thinking now, fill the streets with my knowledge, be bold, and we, we be bold. Are you getting what I'm teaching you? Are you learning something? We have to continue in that way, in the way of Jesus. There is nothing about the church of Christ that is normal. I'm See, I'm not even sorry. There's nothing about the church of Christ that is normal. This is the way you have to think about the church. Some of you want to normalize the things. You are are putting a sort of block on your mind when you normalize it. It's not normal. Do you get what I'm saying? It's not. Maybe we are making it become the new norm, which is great, which is what we're supposed to do, but it's not normal. It's not normal. There's nothing about the church that is ordinary. Think about this. Christianity takes faith, yet we can die for it. People think you are mad. Do you get like, you have not seen him, yet you want to die for him? Are you know, well, <laughs> oh, Lois no, already answered. She said, No, <laughs> it's true, you're not. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 8 says, It says, Whom having not seen, yet you love blind it. <laughs> it says, Whom having not seen, you love. It is done now, you do not see him yet, believing you rejoice with with what joy inexpressible and full of glory. I'm sorry to say, some people might consider you mad. All right? I wish I can get a good reference. I think it was a movie I was seeing. I can't remember which it was, a very old one. It's almost like your friends come to meet you and you're like, Ah, Jade, how about your boyfriend? He said, Ah, he's good, oh, he's good, oh. I've never seen him around. Yeah, he's never been around. So you are telling everybody you have a boyfriend. And they're like, Okay, tell him to come visit. He said, no. And you've been dating him for three years. And they're like, Where is this boyfriend now? He said, We're going on the date. They now see you walking on the date. They've not see anybody with you. <laughs> Check out. Check out. They, they will just consider that, ah. A little so has gone. No. <laughs> Maybe your date is at here, but you'll say turn left, turn left, turn left, turn left. If you catch it, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't catch it, forget about it. Okay, some of you caught that, yeah? <laughs> right. Then one day, everybody has not seen this boyfriend. You now start rejoicing. Whoa, yes, 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 yes. And you are rejoicing. You're like, oh my God. You're like, oh, I He proposed to me. Where is he? Glory. <laughs> you know, that's almost how it seems to unsaved people. When you are rejoicing about Jesus and you've not, Peter said, Whom have you not seen? You are rejoicing with what? With joy inexpressible, joy unspeakable. You're just rejoicing. You can't stop. You can't stop. It says full of glory. It says receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Listen. Nothing is normal about it. This does not mean it's not true. Are you with me? There's nothing normal about it. In the world, sin is believing. In Christianity, believing is sin. It's not normal. Are you with me? That you would never truly experience Jesus if you don't believe first. Ah! That's different from everything we've ever known. Are you getting what I'm saying? That Jesus appeared to the guys on the way to Emmaus. And he did not let them see his face and recognize him first. What did he do first? He took them through scriptures. After believing in the scriptures about the message of the Messiah, then his face opened to them. Are you getting what I'm saying? Then he opened his face to them. Believing is seen. Faith is seen. That if you don't open, no matter how much theology, apologetics you do, you know there are people that that, that know more than you can ever know about God from the study of apologetics, but yet they are blind. In the sense that they truly don't know because they've not believed first, so they truly cannot experience what you're experiencing. And you that just simply knows that Jesus died on the cross, he was buried and resurrected, and because of this habit and our life, you have experienced far greater than them. Are you getting the point now? Are you seeing what I'm saying? Not in ordinary about it. Not in ordinary. And then yet, you've not seen the person yet. You have an agenda <laughs> that is beyond this world. You have an agenda, you are strong about it. You believe in something, something greater, something beyond this world. I remember I was in class one day, I didn't eat, so I was really because we've been fasting. How's the fasting period been for you, glory? Isn't it amazing? Alright, so I was going for an afternoon class and if you know what happens when you're not eating till 2 o'clock and you're not going to sit down for a lecture, your body's coping mechanism is sleep. That's the only way to save you from yourself, <laughs> alright? Alright? And I went to class and I was dozing like this. Don't worry, man of God does not doze. It was I was in the spirit. It was a trance that was coming. Alright. But I was, I was <laughs> you know, and my friend asked me, well, why didn't you eat? I said, Oh, I was fasting. I forgot who I was talking to. You know. Someone in the class asked me why I said, Oh, I haven't eaten, I was fasting. And I was like, it didn't make sense to him. He was like, why are you starving your body? It didn't make sense to not, it doesn't make sense to them. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? It's not normal. Listen, the crux of our faith is on something that is supernatural. Are you with me? Something impossible became possible. That's how Christianity became Christianity. <laughs> are you getting what I'm saying? It gave evidence for something that is beyond the So, what is the crux of our faith? You say, ah, what do you guys believe? What's the central theme of your message? Oh, one man like that, he died and he woke up again. Ah, are you, are you getting what I'm saying? Something beyond here. His, his death and resurrection now gives us proof of something greater. Something that is be- So listen, it's not wrong because it's different. It's just radical. It's beyond the norm. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's beyond what you are normally used to. It's beyond it. That's what it means to be a believer. We like are believing in something, <laughs> something beyond here, beyond the norm. So your salvation itself is the beginning of that radical experience. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's the beginning of that radical experience. That experience beyond the norm. That's what it means. Listen, the apostles are witnesses of the resurrection. We are believers in the resurrection. Why? We were not there. We did not see it happen. Are you getting this? We didn't see it happen. We are believers in the resurrection. They were witnesses. They are witnesses. In John chapter 20 and verse 26, the Bible says, Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood amongst them and said, Peace be unto you, he's my God. Thomas answered and said, My Lord, my God. <laughs> Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Remember Thomas, doubting Thomas, right? He didn't believe. Jesus now said, okay, now that you've seen me, have you believed? But look at what Jesus said after that. Jesus said, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet they what? They believed. Ah! You, did you just read what you just read? Someone wanted proof. He said, until I put my hand in the holes of his wound, I will not believe. Jesus said, so You want to see me? I'm here. Then Jesus now tells you. He says, "Blessed are those, whom having not seen, yet they believe." Listen. Let me know where I hear myself. There's a radical sense to our faith. It overthrows the normal. We carry a message that might sound too, that might sound foolish to people, but it's the truth. The Bible says, "For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing." But to us who are being saved, it is what? The power of God. Hey! So God's power is just, I believe that Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and rose again. So there's such power in it, in information, in knowledge, and yet people don't know. Yet people take it for granted. You have something that can change their lives. Yes! <laughs> They are not ready to listen to you. It means something can sound so foolish to other people, yet he has the power enough to save their lives. Ah, now this comes with knowledge. Are you getting what I'm saying? Comes with knowledge. It means it's possible for you to have been carrying something explosive, yet you do not know. It's the power of God. There is nothing ordinary about our faith. All the questions mankind has asked, it's answered here. Alright? Where are we from? The question of origin. Why are we here? Where are we going? The question of destiny. Who are we? Question of identity. Why are we here? Question of purpose. You know, many times, every question anybody will ask you will be centered around these five things. Many times, around five things. All of it will be answered, but yet, people don't know. You can find this in God. So listen, it's not normal, and that's why we ourselves we have a message worth dying for. Are you listening? You know, um, I think it was my pastor that was saying one time that the paradox of purpose is that when you find something worth living for, then you find something worth dying for. Did you hear what I just said? Did you hear what I just said? That's very important. That's very important. It's almost like, have you seen people who were very rough and living a different type of life and then the moment they have children, maybe a guy, he has a daughter. You know, in the movies, finds a daughter. Now, he finds something to live for. Maybe he was about to kill himself, then a child comes and now he wants to live for the child but he would not in a split second give his life for that child. Do you get what I'm saying? The paradox of purpose Because now that we've gotten this message, we've tasted of it, we have something we can die for. It might sound foolish to other people, but we are ready to die for it. Listen, Jesus died for the salvation of mankind, but that sacrifice will not go to waste. (laughs) Are you listening to me? It must not go to waste. It must not go to waste. We must tell it to the world. This is why the Church of Christ has a history of being radical. Something has happened. Oh, you cannot cover it up. (laughs) If you like, say it was swamp theory. Whatever theory you bring up that Jesus fainted, we will disprove you. Alright? We will disprove you. If you like, say that they came to steal his body. We will ask you what happened to the Roman soldiers that were there. We will ask you why there was no record of anything happening to them after. If you like, tell us Jesus ran to India. (laughs) We will give you a reason. Are you following me? We will prove it to you. God knows why He made those things happen that way so that there will be no no disputes if, really, if Jesus truly died. We will ask you who folded the cloths. <laughs> we will ask you who folded the cloths. It was not in a hurry. God wanted to show that He said, This will matter. While not in a hurry to leave? He said, Fold the cloth, hold the cloth, put it well, put it well. Put it well. You can tell us his hallucination. We'll tell you, hey, 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 hey. Even in hallucination, you cannot hallucinate 500 people at the same time. One person will be normal. Are you following me? We'll tell you also that if people were lying. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. We'll also tell you that if people were lying, if you put knife to their neck, they will tell the truth. Are you with me? They will tell the truth. But listen, this is very, very important. When Jesus died, the apostles ran away, which shows you, first of all, that they were growing. They were not men of extraordinary faith. I get what I'm saying. They were not men of extraordinary faith. They ran away when Jesus was going to be killed. But what makes a man that ran away yesterday, come tomorrow and say, if you like, put a knife in my jugular. This one is real. He must have experienced something undoubtable. Are you getting what I'm teaching you? He must have experienced something undoubtable. Something beyond it. Something that it's... Listen. Something that is more powerful than all of the things we have in this world. That if you like, kill me, I know something that is beyond here. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? I know something that is beyond here. Have you not noticed that the apostle lived like they had two lives? It's because they knew they had two lives. Do you get that? Uh, you are sleeping, you know it's it, you know it's it. it. <laughs> it's because they knew, so you must live like you have two lives also. This is the truth. If truly you believe this message in John chapter 20, verse 25, the Bible says. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto us, That was what Thomas was saying. He said, Until I touch. Please, are you following me? In Acts chapter 2, verse 32, the, the, this was how they started to talk. They said, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are witnesses of it. We are witnesses. That's why John can come and write in 1 John chapter 1 and 1 and say that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, we have looked upon, our our hands have handled the word of life. Are you with me? They felt it. They touched it. They touched it. John was talking about a personal functional experience. That's why when you consider the way the apostles died, you will know that they believed in something. Listen, two things that must come to your heart when you consider how they died. Jesus is alive. Jesus is real. Are you getting what I'm saying? Jesus is alive. Jesus is real. And the Church of Christ is driven by this, this revelation, this divine revelation. We are not just fanatics or hopeful people. This is not just religion. It's a historic fact that these things happen. On top of it, we have the witnessing of the Spirit. Please, are you following what I'm teaching you? On top of it, we have the witnessing of the Spirit. So look at how the disciples died. James, for example. James was thrown over a pinnacle, a hundred thousand feet. Guess what? He did not die, so they beat him to death. Listen. If what they saw was a lie, after he fell one thousand feet to the floor, and he did not die, he will beg them. He say, I beg. <laughs> I trust the lie. <laughs> now play. Person no his follow will not play. He will say, i See? He will say, just don't kill me. How, do you, how easy is it to say Jesus, Jesus did not resurrect? Do you understand know what I'm saying? It's simple, but listen, when something, when you experience something bigger than this world, That's when you can say, if you like, kill me. (laughs) If you like, kill me. I know where I'm going. Please, are you following me? I know where I'm going. I've seen Jesus. He's alive. He's alive. Peter. Peter was was hung on an X-shaped cross. Cross, rather. So I I heard that you know they were supposed to cross him the normal way. He said to honor his Lord. (laughs) They should make it X that is not worthy to be nailed the normal way. Are you following what I'm saying? Nathaniel was flogged to death. Are we reading the same things? Are you hearing what I'm hearing? Nathaniel was flogged to death. Andrew hung on an X-shaped cross. Thomas was stabbed with a spear in India. Stabbed with a spear in India. All in the name of the Lord's work. Jude. Was killed with arrows for not denying that Jesus resurrected. You have to understand, they put you and they say deny Jesus and they give you, psh, you know, arrow. One will not kill you immediately. So he must have had a chance to say, wait, 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 wait. I will confess. <laughs> I will confess. Listen, this were people who ran away the day Jesus died. Are you getting what I'm saying? You know I like the Bible. The Bible is not scared to show us the weaknesses of the apostles. And the weaknesses the weaknesses of the men of God. Some of the most mighty men in the Bible had very great times of weaknesses as well. Are you getting what I'm saying? Very great and strong times of weakness. They ran away. That's why we preach the Bible the way it is. They ran away. So you might have been scared before you heard this teaching. But now something must change in your life, in your head. Are you getting what I'm saying? Understanding that the church is radical in its sense. Arrows that killed him. Are you following me? You know Stephen's story? Stoned to death. Do you know what it means to be stoned to death? I can't picture how gory. Jude was killed with, with arrows for not denying it. Matthias was stoned to death and beheaded. Paul was beheaded, not only beheaded, Paul spent time in prison, considerable amount of time in prison. Do you know what it means? I'm going to read the text for you. Do you know what it means for a man to be in prison? And the only thing he can do? Paul and Silas, they pray after praying, they sang after... Do you know they were... It was, I think it was even that was discussing me. They were not praying to escape, they were just worshipping God. One of the ways you would know, you have to understand. You are in prison. Bros, you are in prison, and the next thing you can do is to write letter to the church at Ephesus. <laughs> I hope you, you are checking on other people's welfare. You are, you are mediating for Onesimus. You say Philemon. Ah! They come and they tell you, don't go to Jerusalem because as I'm bound, you'll be bound. Then he says, I'm going to that same Jerusalem. <laughs> listen this is out of this world it's not normal it's not normal your parents will not understand it let me tell you now when you pack your bag and say i'm not staying in this country people will not understand it how about if the lord says stay in this country"? you know what people think the other way is sweet what of the other way around your parents want you to travel the lord tells you that your call is in the, is in nigeria now it's becoming real. Now it's becoming real. Beyond the normal. Now you are getting what I'm saying. you are getting what I'm saying. One of the ways we begin to see. We see it from young me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Every day school. Prayer meeting. When we have meetings like this. Pack our load. Sign pass. <laughs> Lagos. <laughs> there was one weekend. I can never forget that weekend. We had three programs planned. I think three or two. Re- return, I think, night of worship. From night of worship, overnight, we went to another program. From that program, we went to another program on Sunday before we went back to school. There's nothing about us that is normal. Are you get honest? Some of you need to wake up. Some of you need to wake. up Can I tell you the truth? Some of you, the next most important thing in your life right now is not masters, is ministry. So the next stage of your life is not actually masters, is ministry. I get what I'm saying. I'm not saying masters is of the devil. Oh, I'm just saying. Some of you. Do you get what I'm saying? I'm doing a masters, so don't worry. I'm not talking down on masters. <laughs> Even though it's not really masters I'm doing here. It's ministry. <laughs> but <laughs> the masters got me in for ministry. <laughs> this is how you must think. No, it's not every decision you just take in the flesh. I mean, I've not even gotten to the point I want to emphasize. Let me if I drop once I drop my Bible, just know that. <laughs> Let me continue. Let's stick to it. Alright? John was the only one that died normally, but guess what? Before he died normally, they threw him into hot oil. What it means to put someone that hot oil. You know, one time myself and the workers were reading a a book, you know, and we read about the Nikkei Treaty. A lot of people could not come for that meeting because their their legs had been cut off, they had been like. You know they are cut off their hands for the sake of Jesus. I get what I'm saying. So there must be something that these guys believe in for them to have stayed without recanting their message. It must have been real. The Church of Christ was never ashamed of the gospel. Never. And there is a side of us that must have a united mindset about ministry like this. And treat it like warfare. You know, I've said it in passing once, but you don't know what I mean. This is what I mean. At least a part of what I mean. We must treat it like warfare. We are to continue what Jesus started. Are you following me? And we must treat it the way it should be treated. Listen, this is how soldiers walk We must be radical. We must be radical. Radical in our praying, radical in our preaching, radical in our evangelism, radical in our establishment of structures. We must be radical. We must be radical. Some of you don't get me when I say we are going to do certain things, especially the workers. It's it's, it's, it's being radical. I wake up all morning and I say we are going to have a structure outside Babcock. Someone is like this man, you like shooting beyond your power. <laughs> oh, I will not go faster than God, but if God says I will be radical. Let it be that there's nothing God whispers in your ear that would that would pass you by. You must do it. Are you guys listening to me? You must do it. You must do it. You must imagine I was doing, you know, maybe we are not ready. Is my piece ah the song is plenty you doing song is not you know as i say wisdom is profitable to direct stick to your calling wisdom is you know many people that have wisdom is profitable. have wisdom that's when they're about to do rubbish <laughs> the wisdom is profitable. listen we have great musicians in this ministry and we push them with all our power you see what we're what we're doing we will do that we'll continue to push them i'll give you an example part of understanding responsibility as a part of the body, and I'll reach there in a minute, is being able to support someone like Alex, who has blessed you guys in many ways. Push him. Don't worry, I'll emphasize it. We must go above and beyond. When I reach there, I'll teach it. We must go above and beyond. We must be innovative, creative, take whatever is available in our culture for Jesus. I get what I'm saying. We must be. We must be. Creative, thinking about things. What can I do? If you have been sitting so long and you've never had an idea to do ministry with what is in your hand, maybe you are not understanding what we are teaching yet. You cannot be idle now with everything God has given you. You are a writer. Please, start writing a book. Can I tell you something? Your book does not necessarily need to be a theological exposition. Write a book about Jesus, about the gospel. Are you with me? Yes, do your due diligence, but start there. Start there. What is grace? Oh, you have enough material on grace. Do you understand? Just transcribe what you've learned. Start the truth. See if you want to start. Some of you, maybe you know people that have a problem with the grace message. Write a book on hyper grace. The title enough will attract. You see, as I did the flow. Hyper grace. I ah, will not read that book. Will not tell the people. Your advertisement to be. Don't judge a book by its cover. Oh yeah. You see wisdom. They go read them. Because now you want to emphasize to them that it's not grace if it's not hyper. Are you getting what I'm saying? So what does hyper grace mean? Does it mean continue in sin that grace may abound? Just start from the foundation with them. Can I tell you something? When you want to write books like that, don't go straight to the point. Establish the gospel so that anybody that reads it will learn the gospel. (laughs) Teach how to interpret the Bible small. They make your point. By the time you finish, you have hardcover. (laughs) You have hardcover book put it out you must do something social media page how about do instagram live invite me i'll come and talk don't worry i will come and talk i will call people for you to come and talk are you with me listen next year by the grace of god apart from the album i'm thinking of us working on one thing that i want us to work on as a family is pushing our creatives I've intentionally started now. You know, in the first version, we didn't put Alex's name. Now we put his name there. Put it. Know that name. All right? Know that name. All right? So we must take everything in our culture, everything we can find for Jesus. We must take everything. Everything. Music. What has God placed in your hand? Use it. Use it. Hallelujah. We must wake up. Oh, too much praying together. Together, listen. Some of the things that have made us stronger as the Catalyst community is praying together. Together, we've seen people healed. Together, we pray for the sick. Together, when someone had precancerous cell, we declared here. Together, we received the prophecy of the dynamic spread. But we didn't just receive it together. We also prayed on it together. And now that it's being fulfilled, what is happening? We're excited and rejoicing together. We are stronger together. Are you getting it? But not just stronger together. We are also radical together. Why? One of us is stronger because many of us are behind the person. Your business cannot suffer because if 61 people buy your product, it's money first. If we wear it, it's publicity. You get what I talk? It's important. It's important. If you post, as long as it's correct, (laughs) it's not rubbish theology, we repost. Alright? This is important. We're radical together. So when it comes to ministry, listen, this is where I've been going since. We must learn to put aside our differences and must have your back and you must have mine. I know I've been emphasizing our union in Christ's family but listen one thing that must unite us as equally as revelation knowledge is ministry are you with me this is how soldiers are it doesn't matter what is happening in their personal lives if they go to war together it's one single principle you must have my back and i must have your back are you getting it you must have my back and i must have your back when they are breaking into a room all right they don't consider what is behind. Why? They have somebody to cover. You, are you understand what I'm saying? So when they walk into a room, this is more pictorial, to give you an idea of what I'm talking about. When they walk into a room, one person is walking straight, but he does not turn left and right. He goes straight. This is how SWAT people in those movies, break movies. The next person turns left, and the next person turns right. Why? I am sure that as I'm going straight, I don't have to be scared of anybody shooting me from behind. Why? I have brothers that are watching left and Why do you think when they come back, they are usually closer to each other? There's a way to work as a unit. I can trust you with my life. You see, you know, I've had experiences also playing multiplayer games, right? Multiplayer shooters. One of the worst things to do is when you enter one of those shooters like Call of Duty and you don't know anybody, and everybody goes to spawn in different places, or if you play Fortnite, they just spawn in different places. But if you have someone having your back, you'll be saved. You know, I introduced Simi to it, one of these. We were playing Fortnite. When she played the loon, they killed her. When she played with me, I had her back and we were first in the... You see? <laughs> Anyways, but I get what I'm saying. This is important. Very important. That in this world, my life is in your hands. And your life is in my hand. You have to think like that. My life is in your hand. Your life is in my hand. Because there will be times when I'm down. There will be times when the devil wants to tear me down, when my flesh wants to tear me down. But guess what? I am not alone. So like Liverpool, you will say we never walk alone. Is it Liverpool or Maya? I don't know how to say it. Anyways, but you never walk alone in the faith. Can you say you never, I never walk alone? I never walk alone. I never walk alone. I never walk alone. This is important. I never walk alone. I never walk alone. We have a common mission and it must unite us. We have a common enemy and that must also unite us. The devil, sin, we must destroy it. And so, ah, we must pray for the church. We must pray for our brothers and sisters. Because we know we are in this together. And at the same time, we must not lose our own people while we are trying to get others. Are you getting this? We must not lose our own people. There must be strong love with us. We can't lose our own people. Certain things that the church is radical about. We've seen radicality in preaching. Look at Paul, traveling city to city, facing perils of time. They say, like, hey, don't travel for that preaching!" you know? They are kidnapping on the road. Paul experienced shipwreck. Road is bad, road is bad, road is bad, don't travel, hey, hey, don't travel, listen, I'm not saying don't care for your life, what I'm saying, there's a side of being radical that doesn't care, that doesn't care, that doesn't care for just for, for your own life because there are billions of souls to be won, can I tell you something, you cannot see a billion souls in a thousand cities if you don't have this mindset. It's a radical mindset that does this. You say, preaching, preaching, preaching. Are you all doing you know that I'll preach? Are you all you know that I'll preach? <laughs> you say, yes, sir. If I don't preach it, nobody will preach it, sir. I have a call of God on my life. It's a radical side. So in Acts chapter 2 verse 42, the Bible says, and they continued in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. This was the culture of the church. Sometimes the reason why you must come to church is because you know it's beyond you. Everything we've taught is important, but you must. This is also an important factor. It's beyond you. They continued in doctrine, in fellowship, and in breaking of bread and prayer. It says, and fear came upon many souls, and many wonders, de- wonder designed that were done by the apostles. And all that believed were God, gar- were what? They were, hey, 44, everybody. It says, all that believed were what? Together. Together. And what? Had all things common. Catalyst community, you must have all things common. That's why you must know one and other, you must have all things common. Anyways, I'm blessed to you people, I can praise you for the little you've done but also encourage you to do more. Because we'll be fundraisers for this Catalyst, <laughs> that one I'm sure of, but I must encourage you to do more. This comes with sacrificial giving and thank you guys that have been doing so for so long. You are amazing. But I must urge you that more can be done. Are you following me? More can be done, much more. So being radical goes to your spending as well. Where's your salary? So we are doing camp meeting. I remember our first camp meeting in the community. I had no money. I just got a job that was paying me 50,000 Naira at the time. First ever job. They paid me my salary. I did not even do it. I just carried it. I bought about three bags of pure water, I think. Or four bags of pure water. Paid for somebody to cook food for us. Paid for the hall in Ikorodu. Paid for a few things. My salary was done. We came to the meeting. Guess what? In the meeting, my next job was actually calling me. <laughs> in the meeting. So now, we did that. And I was thinking, God, I'll get home. How would I be going to work? How would I be No, I wasn't getting 50K. I was getting 30K. It was the next job that was 50K. I was getting 30K. I spent all the 30K on that camp. I was in the camp meeting. They were emailing me for a deadline for a task I was supposed to do for the job. I was not there. But in the meeting, the Lord told me I was going to get the next job. <laughs> it was so funny. So when we finished the meeting. I got home. I checked my email. Oh my God. So I called the lady. I said, hi, I'm sorry. I just saw the email. I was not in my phone. I was at the retreat. You know it's nice to tell people when I do things of God. I don't know. People don't say, but me, I was like, I was at the retreat. I'm so sorry. My phone was off. You know, um, but I'm sorry, I can't, I can I still did it because when I got to immediately I saw it, I sent an email, I did it, and then and then she said, Okay, that's fine, I'll get back to you. So she called me hours after and she said, hello, we've decided to give you a job for just one reason. First of all, because after you saw it, you went ahead to do it. Secondly, you know, when you called, I saw that you really wanted... In my mind, I knew that it was not those... Now, You cannot tell me because I, I, I missed the deadline. Alright? There was nothing in my CV that was good enough. They had someone else. Can I tell you something? They employed two of us. They wanted to employ one person. Are you getting what I'm saying? But she employed the two of us. Are you understanding what I'm saying? I'm sure that God has something to do with it. <laughs> It's not me, it's not because I called you. What did I do in the task that is so separate and special? I did it under 10 minutes, so I knew I didn't do it as, as good enough, Self It's God. It Since they have all things in common, anyways, my emphasis was more on the fact that everything I had at the time, and even till now, by the grace of God, I want to be able to give to the church. There's a radical side to it. To your giving, to brothers and sisters, to your praying. To your praying. So if you know that praying more would help you in the things of God, oh, then pray more. Oh. This prayer will die here. Are you getting what I'm teaching you? This is the culture of the church. They gathered and they prayed. So when it's time to gather, don't be the odd one out. They say, now nah only when I get church, catalyst, 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 you're not focused on your studies. Ra- we are radical. We are not normal we are not normal there's nothing normal about us what i'm teaching you is that people will say what they like but you don't have to, it doesn't have to touch you just accept from the beginning that you are not okay <laughs> so nothing will touch you all right nothing will shift you look at peter's miraculous release the bible says something very serious and important it says that what the church continued go to acts chapter 12 In verse 5, the Bible says, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church of God for him. Ah! Do you know what without ceasing means? That you'll be hungry, you say, you know what, you know, I know food is good, food is important, but right now, I must hold on and pray, because this is more important. Lord! For this city, Lord! For Babcock University, Lord, for Nigeria, the gospel prevails. The work that we've started here, you hold, you pray, you extend, you spend yourself there because you know you cover distance in prayer. So, if you know you cover distance in prayer and more ground in prayer, then you must give more efforts to prayer. And you get what I'm saying? You must give more efforts to prayer. So, in being radical together, we must be radical in prayer. How about preaching? We gave an assignment to evangelize to two people. And then you say, ah, I know it's true that P. Mike said, but there are more souls to be won. I myself, I want to do five. I want to do ten. Can I tell you something? Is a heart that is ready like that, that God will work with. The Catholic community is a product of such instructions. They said disciple 20 people for 2021. I was praying and instantly I heard the Lord say, you are going to do ten times that number. I said, I'm ready, Lord. So for me, my assignment, rather than 10 times of the people I was discipling before, 10 times 20, or rather, rather than doing 20 people, what I was going to do at the time was 10 times the number I was doing previously. Are you getting what I'm saying? 10 times the number, till we are 400, till we are 1,000, till we are 10,000, we'll continue to move. Till we are spread across five, seven cities will continue to move. Till we take the whole world for God will continue to move. This is not just declaration of faith. You will see it in the radical actions I do. Are you following what I'm teaching you? You will see it in the radical action. This is important. They prayed without ceasing for him. So these people prayed until their prayer came knocking at the door. Are you, so the answers to their prayer... Came knocking at the door for them. They did not stop. Are you following what I'm teaching you? They prayed for boldness in many instances. Paul and Silas prayed. Are you with me? Peter and John were preaching. They commanded them not to preach it. They said they were going to flood them. They said we count it as what? As joy. To be to partake of the suffering of Jesus Christ. So listen. When persecution happens to you say I count it as joy <laughs> to suffer for Jesus. Are you following me? When we go to preach, people give us a laugh. I say I count it as joy to chop a laugh for Christ. Are you hearing what I'm saying? <laughs> if you're outside the country, you know what I'm talking about. Oh my god. I preach here. One guy saw us coming, saw a few black people, who treated us as though we're coming to attack him. I'm like, no, no, no. We just want to talk to you. One saw us, they say, Hi, can I share something with you? He say sorry, we're Jewish. We don't, we're not interested. I'm like, what did they do you now? <laughs> you know, some other people, one girl I was calling her, she just walked away. I pay me oh. They pay me, I say, who they toast you now? They I like say, and they toast you. You <laughs> know, they do all this thing. Let's say we don't chop a die. But apart from the lad, we've had good conversations with some people. So I count it as joy. Because at least I've not see that in one place and, and I'm not trying. I'm trying. I keep going. I keep trying. Let me know, like, one time he hits my, ah, my self esteem. P Mike. Apologetics, Baba. Then they give you a lie like this. They know they listen to you. Upon all your prayer, I knock me, make I don't lie. That day I say, God, what have I done? Are you sure you sent me here? I say, my Jesus. I say, what's happening, Jesus? I see that we are not, you know the one thing. sometimes it's the day you pray more that they should hear you, that they will not answer you. So one day we prayed, we went outside and nobody was there. <laughs> the people we saw, they were there with their family, so we had nobody to talk to. For this matter, how many of you saw my story recently, I put refresh, I put a teaching and prayer meeting. Do I know the people that will come for that meeting? Mm. But if the Lord says, I will do. And if they come, I will catch them. (laughs) jesus that's all that matters i don't i don't really care just by mistake open the door and say sorry i was looking for a room i said this can be room 105 you can just sit down the lord will bless you (laughs) just sit down i hear this word the lord will touch you i have a word of knowledge for you i will catch you laugh about it but this is how your heart must be are you getting what i'm saying this is where your heart must be all right it says we cannot but speak the things which we've heard this is you I can't live my life without talking about Jesus. It may be weird. For the past one week, I'm sure these room members are probably swearing for me, because every morning prayer, I'm praying like a man that is using the toilet, <laughs> and they are probably, they are probably looking like we didn't used to hear this shout. You know, one day someone came to use the wash, the laundry right here, and I was. Rah! I know, it must have been like should we call nine one one or ambulance? This guy, but I don't care right now. I don't care anymore. All right, I don't care. Do whatever you want to do. I don't care anymore. It was when I first got here I used to care. I don't even mean, remember them. I'll be on on awake. I'll bend down. I'll be doing. It. One day I was so angry I took pillow, I put it in my face and I screamed. I'm not joking. I was so. Fr- it was almost like I had bottled something inside for so. I put pillow in my face like this. I screamed. I shouted. I rattled in tongues. Anyway, <laughs> that was fast, I was like, hearing muffled sound like like they were suffocating me. But I was just tired. I was just tired. That's how radical you must be. You know. Nothing must be able to stop me from preaching the gospel. Nothing. What can stop this move of God? No one. No one. Darkness will never overshadow me. I recover. So, me that was enjoying grace in Lagos, I moved to Windsor. And they want to. I know. I say, I'm planted in this city in the name of Jesus. I plant my foot in this city. Ministry prevails through my hands in this city. I see. I. Don't. Maybe today is not the day to tell you all these stories, <laughs> but be radical. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Be radical. Be what? Be radical. Second Corinthians chapter 4, it says, For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. Did you hear that? We who live are always giving over to death for Jesus' sake. As you learn about church, learn that we have a mission. 2 Corinthians 4, 11. He says, so death works in us, but life in you. Are you listening? Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5 as I round up. Last text I'll probably read. Before I round up. 2 Corinthians 5, 15. They say, now wow, now only Jesus if you talk about, tell them, okay, I'll talk about another thing. That next thing, put Jesus inside. <laughs> Find ways. Creative ways like this. Find ways. You know, the people I was discipling here, we used to meet in somebody's house, everybody used to gist like friends. So I can be teaching. Me that no me. P Mike where they do p mic of Lagos. I would like to teach and people be making noise. Now here like I reach here, they teach. Every two minutes, someone must have comments. Everybody will laugh. Ha <laughs> When they pay me, I'll carry I say God. I say, God! But be wise! So what did I do? I said no problem. I I said, next week, guys, we have movie night. They said, okay. So in the movie, I brought *Case for Christ. We watched the movie. We ate. We had fun. Everybody laughed. The next week, we did someone's birthday. The one after we did someone's birthday. Next day, I just caught on that. I was even understanding the gospel. It was not making sense to them. I just caught it. I said, okay, no. I don't understand that. And I said, the Bible, please explain. The first day, honor for the written word. When I, when I finished teaching like this, they knew that they don't know anything. Wisdom. <laughs> and I said, okay. Uh-huh. The first girl heard about, when she heard about Juna, she was like, ah, so Jonah did not. I said, no, you did not die. I'm sorry that you did not learn this before. So now we must all commit to discipleship. The way you will learn is active discipleship. I started putting discipleship. I said, God wants you to grow. Ephesians 4, 11. He gave me... I did not say I'm your pastor, but I'll read Ephesians 4, 11 to you so that you know you need a pastor. <laughs> you will figure out the rest. 2 plus 2 is what? 4. That's wisdom. Please, I get what I'm saying. It's wisdom. So last week, someone put on the group that she's not coming. And I said, ah, let's go. No one girl said, I'm coming, I'm coming. I said, what happened? When I read the bill, I said, sir, after that first one, I knew that I needed to be here. I said, thank Jesus. And they are not there yet. But as we continue, new ideas, <laughs> new strategies the Lord will give me. And will do so. Let your mind be open. Let your mind be open. Last text, like I said, I'm going to read. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, till the ends of the world, I see your glory. I see your power. Do you remember that song? From last camp meeting. Til the end the war, till the ends of the world. Till the ends of the world. I see your glory. I see your power. Second Corinthians chapter 5. You all know the text. I'm about to read. Alright, let's start from verse 15. Verse 15 says, And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them. And what? And Rose again, listen, the life you live is not your own. He says he died for all, that you who are living now in him no longer live for yourself. This is a dead man's agenda. You have no agenda of your own. God's desires are your desires. God's agenda is your agenda. The life you live is God's. Is God-given. It says you no longer live for yourself, but for him who died for you and rose again. It says therefore from now, knowing no man after the flesh. Many of you because of KJV, you don't know what that means. We don't regard anybody according to the flesh again. We don't see, you, we don't see people ordinarily again. He says, even though we've known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know Him just no longer. So our discerning of men is no more ordinary. He's no more in the flesh. Are you getting what I'm saying? You know, you say, Hi, my name is Michael. Hi, meet Tolu, Tolu. Tolu, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Tolu. You shake him in your mind. You're like, oh, I'll go catch this one. So you say, Tolu, you know, just find a way to ask him if he's a believer. You do not You just catch him. Oh, he's not a believer. You know your next mission. Yes, we are business partners, but I have a, I have an ulterior motive. You know, we don't descend men ordinarily again. When you see a large field of people shouting for Peter will be for God, you are thinking, yes, I know, this is political reign, but there's also a kingdom reign of God to come. How many of these people are saved? That's how you must descend people now. How many of these people are saved? When you see a large set of people doing things, your mind must always go back must always go back and think, God, salvation of souls. Salvation of souls. In the way you make decisions about your life, think souls as well. Think God's agenda. The life you live is not your own. So successful and fulfilled life in Christ is not because you have a PhD, it's because you were successful in ministry. Did you hear what I just said? You see, every year, when people wish happy birthday, blah, blah. What marks a good year for me is how many souls I have touched in that year for God. Are you listening to me? A year well spent is that when I look back and I count, it's not because I've, I've you know gone further. Let me tell you something. Do you think if I put all this energy I put in ministry, in career, I will not be one of the top product managers in the world? I will be, oh, without meticulous I am with all these things, with all these men, I will be. But at the end of my life, I don't know and say, What did you spend the whole of your life doing? I did what God sent me to do, product manager. No. At the end of my life, what will count is that I live the life well spent for Christ. He says, No, we know man after the flesh. We don't descend men ordinarily again. Are you following me? It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? He is a new creature. What has happened to him? All things have passed away. Go to verse 19, everybody. It says that, that he is that God was reconciling the world to himself, not in your trespasses. And he has committed to us what? The word of reconciliation. So listen to me. This new life you have, God has an assignment for you. You must be radical with it. You have a message that is beyond the norm. You have an assignment that is greater than every other thing in this world. Say, I'm ready to be spent and be well spent for Christ. Say, I'm ready to live my life beyond the norm. Say, I'm spent. I'm well spent for the gospel. I'm radical in prayer. I'm radical in preaching. I'm radical in evangelism. I'm radical in helping my brothers and sisters. I'm radical in loving them. Begin to pray in the language of the Spirit, everybody.